Hello and welcome to this special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, and today we reflect on the final letter, the 31st letter, the other side. We come to this dramatic ending, the conclusion of Wormwood's patient. It's in a way completely discouraging from a worldly view, but from seeing it from heaven, there couldn't be anything more glorious. And in my opinion, this is where C.S. Lewis is at his best, describing heaven, describing the glory of God, the glory of the saints and angels, and to be able to see our entire life in that perspective from eternal bliss with God. So let's dive into this letter. Hopefully you enjoyed it. This uh, for me was incredibly consoling after going through this letter and really diving into the mind of the other side of the evil one and the demonic tactics to trip us up. Here we come to be reminded of how it's all worth it. The perseverance and the continual fighting to do what's right and to persevere in what's good. And so hopefully you enjoy this. In a lot of ways, I don't have a whole lot of commentary. I just want to kind of read it together and rejoice in what happens. So there's a funny opening paragraph where Screwtape says to Wormwood how all is now lost. And you've come whimpering to ask me whether the terms of affection in which I address you meant nothing from the beginning. Far from it, he says. Rest assured, my love for you and your love for me are as like as two peas. <laughs> and then he says, I've always desired you as you, pitiful fool, desired me. The difference is that I am the stronger. I think they will give you to me now or a bit of you. Love you? Why, yes. As a dainty morsel as ever I grew fat on. Do you remember the line from the last letter where he says, bring us back food or be food yourself? So this is where C.S. Lewis is just funny in how he describes the relationship between Screwtape, the uncle, to this nephew Wormwood. And there's nothing real about their affection. And yet, my dear Wormwood, right, has just been a farce from the very beginning. There's actually nothing of legitimate, authentic affection. Like two peas? Gosh, yeah, who just can't stand each other, are bitter towards one another. The only thing that they can share a delight in is the destruction of the human person. So there's, gosh, there's nothing close to love or affection. In the second paragraph, we have the description of how Wormwood has let a soul slip through his fingers. So if you didn't catch it, right, the, the story's over the, the the life the worldly life of this patient has ended he says the howl of sharpened famine for that loss re-echoes at this moment through all the levels of the kingdom of noise down to the very throne itself pause real quick right that he would describe hell as the kingdom of noise we've already talked about noise as being the the sound of hell but yeah how how haunt how haunting, and to describe hell as the kingdom of noise. So to think about whenever this soul 
uh, Wormwood's patient, was finally lost and slipped through his fingers, that that noise reverberated all the way through this kingdom of noise down to the very throne itself, that there would have been a shriek, a gasp, an utter um, cry of horror that God uh, claimed the victory on this one to bring this soul to himself. How incredible, right? Think about it. So what happened? I guess we'll wait till we uh, describe, till Screwtape describes what happened and just to think about how that, where does that agony come from? The agony that comes from this final stripping, this complete cleansing. He describes the final cleansing as even being, in comparison, miserable whenever the demons see us even bathing ourselves in our physical bodies. That this, to take off the dirt and the slime and the filth from our clothes or even our own bodies for them is just disgusting. And it's because in a real way, even our physical cleanliness is an image. It's a pointer towards the cleansing of our souls. I love this in terms of baptism, right? Like that God is so wise and that he would allow the waters of baptism in the physical reality to echo down to the level of our soul. And so that while we receive the waters of baptism to cleanse us and wash us, it's not a physical reality only, but it's also a supernatural reality. And there's an echo in that in every single load of laundry that we do, every single bath or shower. There's an echo of that. I've never thought of that, but something to, I guess, rejoice in. On the one hand, thinking about demons being miserable over our cleaning of ourselves and even more so just heaven rejoicing. And then how much more in terms of a soul coming out of confession, being cleansed of all sins and being restored to that original innocence. Okay, how did it happen? What What's the story? How did this person slip through Wormwood's fingers? He says, that he got through so easily, no gradual misgivings, no doctor's sentence, no nursing home, no operating theater, no false hopes of life. It was sheer instantaneous liberation. You just imagine that word being muttered with utter uh, abhorrence. One moment, says Screwtape, it seemed to be all our world. The scream of bombs, the fall of houses, the stink and taste of high explosive on the lips and in the lungs, the feet burning with weariness, the heart cold with horrors, the brain reeling, the legs aching. Next moment, all this was gone, gone like a bad dream, never again to be of any account. So how did this man lose his life? It wasn't a bombing air raid where there was utter destruction being brought down on the town where he was located. And in that, with all of the horror going on, in an instant, as he breathed his last breath, the soul went flying up to God. Is this how we would see a death like this? Is this how we would look at it, consider it? It's so easy for our world to creep into our hearts and our perspectives of, yeah, how someone would, would lose their life and, 
and it's tempting, right? Only to see it on the perspective of this world and how much life he didn't get to live or the relationship with his fiance that he didn't get to experience. Um, never had the opportunity to experience a marriage or children or grandchildren or being able to experience adventures and, you know, everything else that life has to offer. And But that we would miss the final destiny is not just having a happy, adventurous life. The end goal is heaven. And if we fail to get to heaven, then we missed what life is all about. Sometimes this line that life is not about the destination, it's about the journey. We allow that line to kind of creep in and fail to realize that is just ridiculously wrong. <laughs> like, and, and there's something to the journey, obviously, right? But to say that life is not about the destination, it's just, it's like, that's not Christian. It's not. Life is about the destination. In a sense, it's only about the destination. And whenever we have the destination clearly in mind that we're made for the very heart and love of God, now all of a sudden, the journey can be joyful. Even in the pains and the tribulations, now these can be found redemptive in what God is doing. Did you mark how naturally as if he'd been born for it, the earthborn vermin entered the new life, says Screwtape. As if he'd been born for it. Yes, every single one of us have been born for it. And that glorious ascent of the soul to heaven. And then he goes on in this next paragraph to describe what is absolutely beautiful. And he saw you. So Wormwood, he saw you. But then he saw them. Them with a capital T, H-E-M. Them. Who's the them? It's the beautiful, glorious image of the spiritual life. All of the angels, his guardian angel and the other angels in heaven and the saints interceding for him. He was able to see it all. He saw his demon, right? At a glimpse. Oh, there you are. You're the one who's been doing all these horrible things, trying to tempt me, trying to trip me up. But it's only at an instant where to see that, then the gaze moves to the spirits of God. This is something for us to imagine. Quote, he had no faintest conception till that very hour of how they would look and even doubted their existence. But when he saw them, he knew that he had always known them and realized what part each one of them had played at many an hour in his life when he had supposed himself to be alone. So that now he could say to them one by one, not who are you? But he could say, so it was you all the time. I don't know about you. That's something to take to our next holy hour. That's what I'll be praying on. Just thinking about in those moments where we can suppose ourselves to be so alone. That at the end of our life, we'll have this ability to look back and to see how close God's messengers were to us. Our guardian angel, our patron saints, our confirmation saints, right? Like, and how many more of the heavenly realm are with us, walking with us, guiding us, protecting us, and cheering for us as we go through this life. And we'll be able to then meet and recognize these different spirits as being the ones that we've come to know I don't know. I don't, I don't normally think that way. 
I wish, uh, this is full honesty, I wish I had a better relationship with my guardian angel as just one example, you know, to be able to, to think about being able to really know my guardian angel. Our guardian angels, right? They're not on re- repeat or recycled or something like that. That God, for each and every one of us, created an angel just for us to be with us for the short time that we have in this world to guard us and protect us. Jesus says that the angels of the little ones gaze upon the father in heaven perfectly. And so as they gaze upon the father and the heavenly glory that we're made for, they're able to perfectly intercede for us and to bring us through this life and all of the discouragements and tribulations in a way that is most sanctifying. Oh, can we say a prayer that we might be able to see the spiritual reality? And even if it's not to see, right? Because like, like many of us will not see it until we breathe our last. What if we pray for the ability to act as if we see it? To live out of this trust that the supernatural is even more real than the material. If that's not a glorious thing to consider, it gets even better, Right? In that next paragraph, he says, Screwtape says that he not only saw them, he saw him. I'm just going to read these next couple lines here. This animal, he's referring to the patient, this animal, this thing begotten in a bed could look on him. What is blinding, suffocating fire to you, Wormwood, is now cool light to him is clarity itself and wears the form of a man. You would like, if you could, to interpret the patient's prostration in the presence, his self-abhorrence and utter knowledge of his sins. Yes, one would a clearer knowledge even than yours. On the analogy of your own choking and paralyzing sensations when you encounter the deadly air that breathes from the heart of heaven. Glory to God, huh? Just to to really appreciate. I don't think we think about heaven enough, right? To really imagine what that will be like to be able to stand before God in a way that is blinding, suffocating fire to all of hell and to every single demon for us by God's grace and purifying mercy. We'll be able to look upon the very face of our heavenly father glorified in the blessed Trinity and then also resplendently reflected through all of the saints and all of the angels in heaven in a way that will be perfectly satisfying. That we have a heart that's made to be loved perfectly, infinitely. That we have this desire, not just for a little bit of happiness, but for infinite happiness, infinite fulfillment. And that we come in our final moments to stand before God and recognize it's you. It's you. And, and Screwtape just emphasizes, right, this animal, this thing begotten in a bed, like that we could look upon him. This is the good news. This is truly the most glorious of news that we who have no right to be in his presence at all, that we might be able to stand before him face to face as one friend to another and to behold his full glory and love glory to God. May we fix our eyes more and more on him and think about and pray about heaven more and more so that we can actually navigate this world in a way that makes sense. What's the way that doesn't make sense? 
way that doesn't make sense is only to focus on the pains and the sufferings and maybe to calculate a mathematical proportion or ratio of how much I'm willing to endure that will then be rewarded in heaven. Screwtape kind of references this about how in heaven it all seems ridiculous, right? Quote, they would not barter for them, they would not barter them for any earthly pleasure, right? Those that glory, the love of of God in heaven. All the delights of sense, of heart, or intellect with which you could once have tempted him, even the delights of virtue itself, now seem to him in comparison, but as the half-nauseous attractions of a rattled harlot would seem to a man who hears that his true beloved, whom he has loved all his life, and whom he had believed to be dead, is alive and now at his door. Do you get that right? In being able to fix our eyes on the reality of who God is and the destiny that we're called to all of a sudden, to recognize the different temptations that the demons are tempting us with, in comparison seem like a rattled harlot, right? Nauseously just proposing herself to us. And in the meanwhile, to recognize, oh, my true beloved, the one whom my heart has loved my whole life that I thought was dead is now standing at my door. There's actually nothing tempting about what you're proposing to me, Satan. So get behind me and allow me to fix my eyes on the true love, the true destiny, the true joy that God has called me to. Screwtape says he's caught up into that world where pain and pleasure take on transfinite values and all our arithmetic is dismayed. Uh, it's arithmetic. <laughs> all our arithmetic is dismayed. Right, so the arithmetic is to play this proportion game, this idea of the ratio of how much am I willing to suffer and to endure versus what's going to be the reward at the end. I just think of St. Paul who says that all of the sufferings of this life are as nothing compared to the glory that awaits us in heaven. Right? That's not a ratio. I guess we could put it as a ratio. So infinite glory, infinite happiness over zero, (laughs) zero pleasure from the worldly attractions and temptations and desires of this world. Nothing of this world compares to the glory that awaits us. And so for us to fall into our temptations, calculating is really not living or seeing reality as we're meant to. This incredible letter ends with one last gasp of frustration from Screwtape. He says, if only we could find out what he is really up to. And our hearts should break, right? Because Satan, far from um, choosing, gosh, how do I want to say this? Far from just not being given the ability to know what God is up to, that he's up to love, a truly selfless, disinterested love that desires the good of the other, of us, of all of creation. Satan was, as with all of the demons, the fallen angels, were given this perfect vision. They were given the ability to know who God is in his plan to share that love and that life with all of creation, even down to us lowly mortals. 
creatures, humans, men and women, given an immortal soul and an eternal destiny, that in that plan of God's love and his goodness and his life, the angels that fell rejected it. They did not want to see it. They would rather continue to live in the economic world of you can either have or not have that it's this competitive spirit where there's not enough love to go around and God couldn't actually be interested in the us the creatures for our own sake he had to have some other interest in mind so they saw that and they intentionally rejected it and then with that they were cast out of heaven and this is an incredible grief huh in comparison to seeing the glory of heaven where a love that is perfect and infinite overflows from the heart of God into all of the heavenly realm in comparison to not know it, to refuse to not know it or see it is utter misery. The miserific vision where instead of the music and the silence of heaven, there is just noise noise that continues to rattle and unsettle and bring about uh, an eternal unsatisfaction and misery. So friends, how glorious this vision is. Let's pray. Um, Let's pray for uh, a spiritual cleansing as we come to the end of this journey, that as much as we've dove into the mind of the evil one, the different tactics and temptations of the demons, that we might be cleansed from all of that. Lord Jesus, I just beg by the power of your most precious blood that all of our listeners might be truly cleansed and set free from any improper reading or listening uh, to this book or podcast. And just ask, Lord, that we might be given an increase in hope, hope, right? The, the hope of the glory that you have in store for us who love you and trust you and persevere to the end. Lord, I ask for an even greater ability to imagine heaven and to be drawn into the glory of what awaits us. This truly is the mystery of Calvary, that what looks like utter destruction, hatred is having the final word, evil and sin, conquering goodness itself. We see that this is not the full story. What's real is that in that complete giving oneself over to love, there can be a redemption. There can be a newness of life. May we be drawn into that perfect life of Jesus Christ and experience the glory of his resurrection. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Drybones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. Friends, a, a final personal word from me is just what a joy and honor it's been to be able to journey with you. May God bless you and reward you for your own perseverance through... These were not easy readings. These were not easy concepts, but uh, you gave yourself over for these last 31 days uh, or more as they were just being released during the weekday. So God love you and may God reward you. Allow this to bear great fruit in your own life. Um, If you'd like to 
recommend this to a friend. If it's been beneficial, then please do, right? I just think C.S. Lewis has great insights for so many of us. And I know for me, I've been incredibly challenged. I've been incredibly enlightened and coming to just some different insights into my own perspective, my own dispositions to different things. And it's not easy, but I'm grateful for prayer, God's presence that I can run to and fall on my face before and just to be able to receive his grace and to be reminded of who I am in that gaze of the heavenly father. I'm also grateful for confession. May we never get tired of running to confession, receiving the forgiveness of all of our sins and being reminded of the glory of his mercy, that there is no sin too great for him to forgive. The only unforgivable sin is us not trusting in his mercy, us not going to him for forgiveness. So God love you. God bless you. I promise to continue to pray for you. Please continue to pray for me that I might be a holy priest and pray God that we might live our lives so as to merit an eternal reward and be with one another forever in the glory of heaven forever. God bless you.